When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to episode number 10 here on Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Ryan Smith. And as you know by now, this podcast brought to you by the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at Pounding underscore FSSN. And this podcast also powered by the Fans First Sports Network on Twitter at Fans First SN. You can rate and subscribe to the Tobacco Road sports radio youtube channel at youtube.com forward slash at tobacco radio well my latest guest here on inside the vault uh he is a contributor for the cat cray brog and he is also uh, a host of the kitty lit podcast you can find him on those places he does great work follow him on twitter at ricky bobody ricky reigns absolutely thrilled to have him on ricky how's it going man yeah thanks ryan i appreciate having me on man it's good to have you on, Ricky. Let's just get right into it. And we're just recording this on cut down day and uh, or day yeah. after, I should say, as practice squads are starting to be developed. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there. So let's just get yeah. right into it. Um, without going too deep, let's just first get your thoughts on the initial 53 man roster uh, that was released by the Panthers today. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that there was any major surprises uh, I, I would say the two players that i envisioned making that initial 53 that didn't were justin mccray and keith taylor jr yeah um i thought that keith had a nice summer i thought that he looked pretty solid in preseason it looked like he had made some progression um but there was really nothing that was overly surprising to me and and i still feel pretty solid about this roster the cornerback depth is a little bit concerning for me um inside linebacker there was there was some movement there that i didn't necessarily anticipate uh, I know today we actually waived Chandler Wooten as well, and I thought that he had a great, great preseason in, in camp. Um, but yeah, overall, man, I it was about what I would expect um, from this group of young players. Yeah, my biggest surprise, uh, you mentioned Keith Taylor. That was one of mine. And then the other one for myself would be, I think, the five tight ends. I, I, I think... Oh, yeah. uh, maybe Stephon Sullivan might go to IR and then that'll open uh, with three tight ends and Javon yeah. Ricci being the fullback, um, particularly to the team. But I, I, at least initially the five tight ends was definitely a shocker. On, on it is. And, and, you know, Frank, Frank loves tight ends. We know that, right. He speaks yep. to that often. Um, but Sullivan, you're right. I think that he was the one that was a little bit surprising because he had been dealing with the injuries, but they loved him in camp, man. He was, he was very involved in camp. He looked like the best pass catching tight end out there too. So yep. there's a reason for that, you know, keeping him on the roster, but it will be interesting if they carry all five throughout yeah. this process. Exactly. Um, so I was going to ask until uh, this got updated earlier today. Um, so are there any holes that you expect the Panthers to go out and sign, but we now know uh, that ha that has happened. We've signed um, a former, uh, so we have a cornerback, a receiver, mm -hmm. Or, sorry, offensive lineman rather, and a defensive back. Um, so from the San Francisco 49ers, Deshaun Jamison, uh, yep. previously there, Calvin Throckmorton, offensive lineman from the New Orleans States. And I just, I love that name, Throckmorton. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a Madden creative player, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. And then Claudine 
Sherlus. I hope I'm not. I'm hoping I'm not butchering that too much. Yeah. Linebacker previously on the Jets, second in the um, preseason in tackles yeah. on their team. A great guy there. So talk right. to me about those three waiver claims, and then ultimately um, you mentioned Chandler Wooten, who we did release, and then Matt Corral was also one of those um, right. as well from those waivers. Yeah, um, Deshaun Jameson is probably the one that stood out the most to me. That was the cornerback. Um, I think that you could expect to see him involved in a special teams role early on. I, I get it that he's the fifth corner now on this 53 roster. And again, we'll still have to see if that actually carries through. It's it's almost like a live tryout for him at this point too. He can revert back to a practice squad. He could do other kinds of movements, but he's, he's a, he's an exciting player. He's, he's got some dynamic to him. Um, we saw some of the punt returns at Texas. That's where he went to college. Yeah. So he's got that ability, and I think that they're trying to shore that up. And that, they brought in that um, wide receiver for the trade with the Chiefs um, as well, right before cuts, right before white, uh, waiver wire process. And I think that they're just looking to shore up that return game. Now, the offensive guard from New Orleans, he's got some starting experience in both the left and the right guard. Uh, I'm not crazy about him. I don't know all that much about him, but looking just kind of like at his tape, he didn't have the best uh, overall 14 games that he started looked like there were some issues to shore up, but offensive line depth across the league is a, is a thin line, right? Yeah. Every team has that issue as we know. Right. So I think it's good to bring in a live body at least. Um, and, and the third guy, the linebacker out of Alcorn state undrafted free agent out of Alcorn state. He's, he's a fast player. He, he plays fast. He's got a high ceiling, um, good motor to him. I think that he's going to have to add some functional strength if he wants to hold up against the bigger guys in the NFL. Uh, when he transferred from UMass to Alcorn, he had a little bit of a struggle with that. But I, I do believe that he's got some serious ball skills. And, you know, we had the joint practice with the Jets. So they got an up-close-and-personal look at this guy, and they obviously saw something that they like. So I'm going to trust the staff. Yeah, and we'll get there. This staff, uh, well-documented this offseason, um, as far as not just Frank Reich obviously coming over from the, after getting fired from the Colts, but the staff he was able to develop around him. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Right. Um, practice squad candidates. We're starting to see uh, guys uh, signed for the Panthers. I believe as of this recording, we're up to 12 guys who are currently on the practice squad. Um, mm-hmm. In case our listeners are not familiar, I'll go ahead and read out the names. Um, defensive back Eric Rowe, cornerback Stanley Thomas Oliver, defensive lineman Roquan Williams, outside linebacker Jordan Thomas, defensive line Taylor Stallworth, offensive tackle David Sharp, who was cut by Baltimore earlier, running mm-hmm. back Spencer Brown, uh, Deontay Brown, offensive lineman, uh, J.D. DiRenzo, offensive lineman, corner Mark Milton, uh, outside linebacker Iku Leota, and then finally uh, Jashawn Corbin, also cut by the Giants as well. So that's I, I want to say four spots, if my math is correct, uh, left right. the yeah. 16 uh, tr- uh, man roster for the practice squad. Um, thoughts on the practice squad, guys, and then also who might be some candidates for those four spots remaining? Could we see a Shy Smith, a Keith Taylor, maybe a Matt Corral? I, I think Frank Reich did mention he wants him back if he clears waivers. Yeah. Um, so first, my initial impression, I'm a Ikuliota guy. Um, I've, yeah. I've talked about him for a while. I've, I've kind of been championing for him. I think that he's got the goods. I think he's an NFL football player. I I was bummed out that he didn't make the 53, but I do understand the logistics behind all of that. So I'm very excited to see him back on. I'm happy to see Taylor Stallworth land with us as well. I thought that he flashed throughout camp and through the preseason. Uh, I saw his number come up a lot of times when he was on that field. 78 was flashing. Um, uh, Who could make up those four spots? Yeah, I absolutely think that Shai Smith could come back if he's not. And he cleared waivers, I believe, today. So I think that that's something where if he doesn't 
want an opportunity somewhere else, I, I can't imagine that we wouldn't be open to having him back. Brandon Smith is probably another candidate for that, uh, especially with releasing Chandler Wooten. I think that we're going to have to get some live bodies in in that linebacker depth position. Um, so overall, though, the practice squad, I like that we brought Deontay Brown back as well. That's a big physical mauler that he he's lost weight, got himself in the best shape of his life. I know that everyone says that around this time of year. Yeah. But it's true for Deontay. He actually was in the best shape of his life, and he played well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy to see these guys back. Frank uh, alluded to that as much in yesterday's press conference where he said, look, we're going to have a lot of these guys back. Hopefully if they clear, we look at this squad as a 69 person roster, right? Where you got the 53 man and then you've got this practice squad. So I, I think they're very intentional with what they're doing. And and I am going to kind of just keep my mind open with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I, I just double checked. Yeah. Frank Reich did say that he would like Matt Corral back if he clears waivers and if uh, he wants to be coming back. I think, Frank Reich would love to get Matt Corral kind of a yeah. really his first year working with uh, a coaching staff. Cause last year was kind of a red shirt year with the, with the Liz Frank and he wasn't able really to do a lot of uh, right. side drills and stuff. And you know, Matt just looks like he still needs to, to let that game slow down for him a little bit, right? He's got some physical tools. We saw that we saw his legs, his mobility. We saw the arm. He could make some throws from, you know, off platform and different kinds of angles, but the game just looks fast for him. So I think that, it would be great for him to be on a practice squad and get some reps throughout the week, as opposed to just sitting in the back on that third string. You know what I mean? Get him out there, get him some practice. I think that's the best thing for him. Yeah. Um, real quick. We uh, talked about this, uh, I believe the other day, um, but I, I may not have um, the trade that we did with the chiefs uh, on Monday mm-hmm. with Amit Smith, Marset conditional 2025 seventh round pick swap. there, essentially peanuts really. Um, yeah. The kick returner, punt returner, I think he's going to play all over for us. Uh, he led the Chiefs in a preseason in um, yardage and just an all-around good player. And I think the Chiefs were really uh, sad that he got traded. I know a lot of the fans – I have some fans near uh, who live near me, and, and they were very upset uh, that he was traded to us. They enjoyed watching him and thought he could be someone that they could develop um, and actually yeah. had – some timing with down with Mahomes. Not all the receivers right. played with Mahomes, but he was right. Right, and that's that's a big advantage too, right? Being able to play with the the greatest player at the position right now. Um, I'm excited about him. I didn't know all that much about him before diving into it a little bit. No, I I think that what we the word that we heard so much after these preseason games is separation from this receiving group, and we didn't have that speed receiver to take the top off. We didn't have a guy that could create on his own space wise. Um, this guy apparently can do that. And and you see the plays that he makes. He's making the, the long plays, the touchdown to the crib type plays. The kick returning is definitely an asset, and he was great at Iowa with that. I believe that he made the first team all Big Ten for return yep. specialists. Yep. Um, so, I mean, he's got some credentials. And the other part of this, too, is that Adam Thielen vouched for him, and he spoke very highly of him because they had time together in Minnesota. Yeah, and Frank right. Reich said that that was a very important decision or yeah. important factor in the decision to bring him in. So the like you said, we got it for peanuts. What we did essentially was just skip that waiver wire process, right? Like exactly. we we yeah. wanted him before anyone else had a shot at him. We targeted him, we got him, and all we had to do was swap seventh round picks to get him. So it's a very smart move, and this is something that we've seen this front office do. Yeah. Um, the next couple of questions, if uh, you are familiar with this podcast or have listened to most of my episodes, you're going to, these questions are going to sound uh, familiar because I okay. like to get a lot of different perspectives for our listeners, guys that come on here. And some people I, I, I was hoping didn't have the same opinion, but thankfully people are very different in their opinion yeah. on some of these uh, players. So we'll start with, um, 
Who are some players in your estimate on the Panthers who are very underappreciated uh, going into this season that we may not be talking about as much? Man, that's a really tough one. Um, <laughs> I think because the way that the roster has turned over, it's tough because I would have said Keith Taylor Jr., to be completely honest. I thought that he was going to have a really good season. I thought that he looked better. Um, I think the Terrace Marshall Jr. is still a guy that I'm very high on. And, and I know that a lot of people had him pegged early, like before training camp and all of that kind of stuff. But since he's been dealing with these injuries and hasn't gotten any reps in preseason, I think he's being very forgotten. And I think that his value to that receiving group is tremendous. I think some of these things that we have seen, the lack of separation, the lack of kind of vertical threat and things like that. And I know that DJ Chark is hurt, but Chark has a completely different game than Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall Jr. is a strong receiver, but he's also dynamic enough that he can create on his own. So I am very excited to see him paired with Jonathan Mingo, who I think is legitimate. And I don't think that that was a ceremonial give him the starter role on the initial depth chart. I think that he's legit. Learning from Terrace or learning from Adam Thielen is only going to help these young guys as far as developing their route tree and things like that. So I, I'm very high on Terrace Marshall on the defensive side of things. I look, I was a huge Frankie Louvu guy last year. I, it's hard for me to say that he's going to exceed expectations because my expectations for him are extremely high. I think that he's already the guy that everyone is going to know. So if I had to single out somebody there, look, Brian Burns is our star defensive player, right? I think he still shatters what everyone knows about him this year. I think him moving to that outside linebacker position, I think he puts up 15, 16 sacks. I think he puts up a solid tackle you know, total number from a production standpoint. And I think that he gets the entire league on notice this year. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I've said a few guys on this podcast, but um, one of the guys that I feel like we're not, we're still not talking about him very much is Von Bell, who we signed from Cincinnati. Yeah. And he is going to be a difference maker um, for us, I believe, this season. Darren Waller, um, his only incompletion in that Giants game was when Bell gave him a nice lick. Von Bell laid him out. That's and, right. Um, you know, Von Bell, I think, is going to be very underrated for this. Yeah. Um, uh, Raheem Blackshear is a good name, too, I think. I think that yes, Raheem Blackshear is going to have a good game yeah. uh, or a good season because of the way that Frank likes to use his running backs and target them in the passing game. I think that just is perfect for his skill set. Yeah, he's another one. I think that he a good change of pace back, third down um, out yep. of the backfield and catching some receiving passes yep. from, um, from young, especially when he might not see anything downfield or maybe in the screen game. I could see Blackshear doing that as well. Yep. Um, Brian Burns, uh, you know where I'm going now. New contract. Yeah. Um, we have not heard much lately, um, but a lot of people think it's not going to get done before the season. I'm still saying it is because I think this is all just smoke. And yes, they may not be close today, but September 9th or 8th rolls around day before right. the day or two before the season. And oh, yes, let's uh, go ahead and get this signed. Let's deadline yeah. spur action, uh, as a, our friend Angie Brandt uh, likes to say, a former <laughs> yeah. Packers uh, salary cap manager who uh, has a good podcast as well. But uh, yeah, so what, what say you on the Brian Burns contract? Yeah, so look, Brian did a really big solid, right? Coming into training camp and preseason and taking part in everything, not having any kind of holdout or any kind of issue with it with his contract still up in the air. I think that that has to play into their decision on let's don't make him wait just because we're waiting for Bosa. And that's the train of thought is that they're waiting for that Bosa contract to reset the market and kind of get a better idea. And a lot of people are saying, look, he's not going to give Bosa money. So why is he waiting for it? It's to have an idea of what the number one prospect at that position is looking to get paid. Right. 
but I think that there is also a way that we can look at this and say, we don't want to have to pay him more at the end of this season. If he does what I'm kind of expecting him to do, let's give him pretty much what he's asking for right now. I think he's worth it. First of all, I don't know the numbers, right? But if he's not asking for anything that's over something crazy, right? Something that you're going to look at him cross-eyed and say, there's no way, Brian. And I don't think that he would do that. Him showing up and playing without the contract, highly doubt that this guy is trying to wreck our salary cap situation. So I would say pay him right now. I still think that you're right. I think that this can get done before the season because I think that they want to reward him for everything he's done for this team so far and get it off the books before next season so we know what we're going into it with. Yeah. Um, my last guest on this podcast, Josh Klein, um, he said he, he actually had a good point. He said, if I was Brian Bird's agent, I would uh, every time they aren't uh, close to a deal, I would show um, them shots of uh, when they – turn down those two first round picks from the Rams for Brian Burns, because that right. shows the value that they are willing to, if they think that highly of Burns, then pay up. I mean, pay him. Right. Yeah. You're going to pay him eventually. I think that that's the overall sentiment is that he's going to be on this team. It's does he cost what he costs today or does he cost what he costs at the end of the season? And yeah. I think that that's a bigger number at the end of the season. Yeah. Um. Who are a few players on the Panthers that you would say are um, stock up going into this season? Players that you expect to um, just hit the ground running and have a big impact this year. And it doesn't even have to be a superstar. We know some of the, some of the superstars on the team, sure. maybe some guys that you we may not expect. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Miles Sanders is somehow being forgotten in a lot of this. And I know that he's our running back one. He's our starting running back and we signed him to a new contract. But there's all this conversation about bringing in Jonathan Taylor and all that kind of stuff when he was available, right? And I get it. You want to stockpile as much high-end talent as you can. But Miles Sanders is a really good running back. And he had a great year last year behind a really good Eagles offensive line. But we're a very good run offensive line as well. And we're going to have emphasis on the run game. It's, it's how we're going to open up with the RPOs and stuff like that for Bryce Young. So I think Miles Sanders' stock is up. I think Jonathan Mingo, again, on the offensive side, too. I love what Jonathan Mingo has looked like. He's looked so much more advanced from a route running and technical standpoint than what I anticipated him looking like out of Ole Miss. So I think that he is going to develop as the year goes on and that he's already ready right now to produce at a high level. Bryce Young is an obvious for me. I, I've seen every single thing that I want to see. He's a superstar. I don't think that we have to guess on that one, right? No. Tommy Tremble <laughs> hasn't shown a whole lot in preseason, and he was also very borderline for even making the 53, I think. But I still believe in him, and I think that his dual skill set of being a really good blocker and also being a, a adequate pass catcher that can run routes I think that in Frank's system of staying multiple and with Thomas Wright or Thomas Brown with the motions and all those kinds of things that he likes to do at the line of scrimmage, I think Tommy Tremble is going to surprise some people this year. And I think that he's going to have a nice output defensively. I mean, it's, it's the usual suspects. It's really hard to say anybody outside of the known people, right? Because I, Camus Grugier Hill maybe could surprise people because he's been a darling in preseason and in camp, but it's going to be an opportunity based situation for him. And I'm not sure that if if Shaq and Frankie Louvu stay healthy and Jeremy Chin excels in that big nickel position, I don't think the Camus sees enough um, field time to make a huge impact on defense. But if he does get that opportunity, I feel really good about Camus stepping up and having a nice season as well. 
Yeah, I've said Tommy Trimble on, on a few past episodes. Uh, he is someone I really believe that I, I think Frank Reich doesn't want to show his cards when it comes to certain players on this team. It's already been hinted at, uh, Lavishka Chenault in the backfield. Um, mm-hmm. Tommy Trimble is someone I think, you know, we saw him in the red zone the last few years with the quarterbacks throwing him the ball. But um, I really think he can be used in in the backfield as well and also yeah. uh, in the slot uh, not just in the end zone, but a variety of different ways, like you said. So I think Tommy Trimble has a chance to really have a great season for the Panthers and show the versatility that he can bring to this offense that I think, frankly, under the last regime, just wasn't being utilized, if we're being yeah, honest. I agree. So let's get to this coaching staff. Um, we already know Frank Reich, the head coach, but let's get to guys like Ijera Avero, Thomas Brown, uh, Josh McCowan. And uh, Thomas Brown, who I mentioned, and then um, who's the guy that I'm currently in? Oh, Deuce Staley. There we go. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, <laughs> taking out Frank Reich as the head coach, is there a coaching staff member that you believe is going to be the most pivotal to our success this season? Man, that's so tough. Um, I think that both coordinators legitimately are like head to head on that. Because I think that Thomas Brown, what he brings is – so you've heard Frank Reich talk about before where he's a 60-year-old coach, right? But he's not so stuck in his ways that he's just going to do his thing and that's it, like my way or the highway type of approach. Correct. He didn't want to hire a bunch of yes men. At yes, exactly. And I think that Thomas Brown is the perfect person for that because he's Frank has already alluded to the fact that they butt heads, but they butt heads in a good way. They have – different philosophies, but understand the concepts and principles behind each other's philosophies. So I think that that really does advance the offense because if Frank runs into a stale moment, right? Like if we just all of a sudden kind of plateau after coming out, we've, we've hidden all of our cards so well, we've stayed vanilla. That was the term that everyone hated hearing. And and they're so glad that we won't hear it for a while. Um, But we did such a good job of staying vanilla that we're going to come out and we're going to surprise people strictly off the fact that they don't know what we're going to do. But once they get three or four games of film, what is the adjustment? And that's where I think Thomas Brown is going to be extremely helpful. Now, Ajiro Evro, look, this guy is a Vic Fangio disciple, right? He's He's been on multiple defenses, on staff for multiple defenses that have had terrific years, really like excelled players development. And I think that our personnel fits really well for his scheme. The addition of Von Bell that you spoke about earlier, it's so critical for a Giro Evero scheme because of the way that he disguises his coverage concepts. So I'm very, very excited to see what he does with this young secondary with Von Bell out there kind of orchestrating that. But then also what he does with this pass rush group, because this pass rush group seems like they've been so tame. And I know that we signed Justin Houston, but outside of Justin Houston, it's a very similar group of players. Justin Houston paired with Brian Burns, and then Marquise Haynes switching in as that rotational guy on the other side. Man, I just really think they're going to get after it. So it's hard for me to pinpoint one coach because I really do think that both of them are up there. And then I think that Jim Caldwell is somebody that doesn't get talked about enough as well as an offensive assistant. <laughs> Clearly, I didn't even mention him. I mean, how could I? Right, and, and, and this is a guy that said he wouldn't take uh, any job other than a head coaching position in the NFL again. And now he's on as an offensive assistant for us. Which, yeah, look, he got paid to do it. There's no doubt about that, right? He got a nice little lump sum. But he also came here because of who we have on this staff. Like, this is this is a everybody-bought-in kind of situation, it feels like. Yeah, he, he specifically said Frank Reich is the reason he's here. 
He right. loves Frank Reich, has a great relationship with him going back to their days together. And um, yeah, Caldwell said he's here specifically because of Frank Reich. I yep. think a lot of these coaches, um, not just because the money, which plays a big factor, but sure. um, Frank Reich was the reason why a lot of those coaches decided to take uh, these positions in Carolina. Another guy that I think um, first year uh, coach after being in the media uh, for a long time and uh, – <laughs> A Carolina Panthers nemesis back in the day, oh, yeah. uh, D'Angelo Hall, is yeah. someone I think he was really going to help this secondary. Um, he had that, um, you know, not like Steve Smith, we won't go that far, but he had a, kind of a, a personality on the defensive side of the ball. And, he, you yeah. know, he and Steve had his battles over the years. And, yeah, that chip on his shoulder, right? Yeah, yeah it's, a, exactly. it's a big chip. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Mike K, just, Mike K, uh, the beat writer for The Observer, put out a really nice article about D'Angelo Hall and about how he had multiple other opportunities to coach at other NFL teams, and he was waiting for the right situation again. And so all of these people saying that they were waiting for the right situation, waiting for the right team, waiting for the right call, it's all aligning that it's the Carolina Panthers. And that's got to be a really good feeling to have some really sought-after guys on this staff right now after – a couple of few years of not having that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just a few more um, questions, then we're going to get to some predictions, get you out of here. Um, All right. Bryce Young, um, we've, we've kind of ran out of things to talk about, but uh, he's been such a great addition to this team. Obviously, we know he's going to be playing right away. There was a little bit of a question in the summer. Uh, did Some people actually thought Andrew Dalton had a chance of starting, but you know that was very squashed right. really quickly. I, I love that Frank just came out and said, nope, he's starting. Yeah. He is the guy. We'll deal with the lumps. We'll deal with the bruises. He's going to learn as he goes. Um, but f- I'd say from Bryce's perspective, you know, we see guys like Von Bell, Hayden Hurst came over from the Bengals. They played with this guy named Joe Burrow. He, he's pretty good. And, uh, yeah. you know, they yeah. mentioned – Bryce in that same um, sentiment where, you know, from the neck up, he's got the knowledge. He's mature. He's uh, charismatic, leads by example. Uh, first went in, last went out. Uh, someone right. who, even as a rookie, um, has just led this team from the start. Um, I, I think, you know, even today, I, I saw this, I, um, you know, he acknowledged just how tough cut down day was yesterday. He talked yeah. about some teammates that were, you know, their husbands, their fathers, their right. um, teammates who are no longer on this roster. And for a rookie to have that humility and to have that recognition is yeah. um, that says a lot about his leadership. A 22 year old to have that kind of perspective, right? Like that foresight to look at this as more than just, Hey, it's my first year in the league. I'm just excited to be here. He, he's looking at these teammates already as, as family, right? And, and that sentiment is ringing through in everything that he says. And that's, that's one thing about Bryce though, that you could never say is that he doesn't, he, he hits the mark when he speaks every time, right? Like this guy sounds like a seasoned veteran. He says the right things. We know about his on-field processing and, and, and cerebral acumen in, in that regard. But it's also his leadership. It's, it's the intangibles that come with all of this. And, it, and the team has bought into him. And you're right. We have spoken about pretty much everything that we could physically for Bryce Young. But at that same token, I'll talk about it over and over because the guy's been that good, and it's so impressive. I, it it just isn't every day that you see a rookie quarterback come in and that unflappable term be thrown around about him. In a lot of positions, you bet on traits, physical traits, right? And you say, we'll teach him everything else, but you can't teach size and speed. The quarterback position is almost like the inverse. 
there are so many guys that have incredible traits, rocket arms, you know what I mean, fast feet that can they get 100 yards a game on the ground if they can't throw the ball, but they never put it together all the way from the neck up to their physical abilities. It's, it's That's the toughest part about that transition from college to the NFL. So when we get a guy like Bryce who already excels in that, and it's not like he's a bum when it comes to his physical abilities either. This guy's a little bit of a magician. He can throw the off-platform, different angles, all those kinds of things. Incredibly accurate with the ball placement. So for Bryce, you're right. It is just a total package. But hearing him do the personal aspect of all this really just has to make us feel like we've got our guy. Well, as I said at the top, um, this has been such a great conversation. My guest today is Ricky Rains. He is a contributor on the Cat Crave blog and also the Kenny Lit podcast. Um, Ricky, great to have you on here. We'll get you out of here with a uh, with a game. I was going to do this a little closer to the season, but um, you know, in case <laughs> I, I I don't know when uh, if I may not have a, a couple podcasts we'll, yeah. uh, closer to the season, and I may not end up doing it. So. I'm going to do it today with you in the short time that I have left. So yeah, let's, um, go for it. let's get your overall record prediction, but we are going to go game by game. We're going to go uh, prediction and we're just going to get it out there into the ether for people to uh, say yay or nay. And do I agree? Do I disagree? Let's see what you got. You're so, opening me up for all of the ridicule then is what you're yes, saying. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Um, let's do it. Let's go. Um, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my prediction already. We'll see if I can get there um, based on uh, what I say. So uh, opening up in Atlanta, I've got us going home with a W. Yep, W. Monday Night Football against the Saints, I've also got us a W, 2-0 and o start. Absolutely, man. Dynamic Monday night atmosphere. Uh, Seattle on the road, 405 start. I've got us taking the L there, first loss of the year. Yep, agreed. Tough place to play. Yep, revenge from last season. They're going to have yep. that on their mind. Yep. Um, Vikings at home. I've got us picking up the surprise W there. Yeah, I'll take the win there too. And and I'm not sure that it'll be a surprise. I think that <laughs> I think it's the right thing. Yeah. Uh, three and one going to uh, Detroit. I've got us taking an L there. The Lions also going to get revenge on us from last year's uh, yep. beatdown. I agree, and I think that the Lions are just a year ahead of us. I think that that's pretty much what it is. All right, three and two going to Miami. I think we dropped that one as well. That's just going to be a tough game. Yep, agreed. Their speed is going to cause us problems. Uh, Texans and Colts at home. I've got us winning both of those games, getting to five and three. Both, yep. Battle of the rookies. We take them all. At Chicago, that is a go-either-way game. Short uh, night uh, in Chicago on the road, potentially a cold-weather game. DJ Moore uh, against J.C. Horn, assuming J.C. Horn is on the field. But I've got uh, I've got us winning in a close one. You know, I do too, and I understand all of the reasoning behind calling that a loss, but I'm just going to go with the fact that I think that Bryce Young is ready for prime time, so I'm going to take Thursday win. Six and three, home for Dallas. I have us losing in a close game to Dallas. I'm going to take that as a win. Okay. Um, I don't really know why either. That's just going to be one that I'm going to say, I think we just win it. Okay, six and four for myself. Um, you, you got your own record there. I've got uh, going to Tennessee, I got us winning. Yeah, I'm going to take that one as a loss. That's going to be one okay. of those. There's no rhyme or reason to why we lost that game. We're a better team, but we're going to end up losing that game. All right, so seven and four for me going to Tampa Bay. I've got us uh, losing that game in Tampa. That's going to be a tough loss, but I think that we're going to learn from it, though. Uh, that's a win. I will not 
I will not pick us to lose against Tampa Bay this year. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I sometimes there's surprise losses in I hear there you. for us. Yeah. And, and so um and then at New Orleans, I've got us losing there. That's gonna be a tough game. Yep, I'll take that loss as well. And then Atlanta at home, I've got us winning there. Yep. Big win. Christmas Eve, we welcome Green Bay. That is gonna be a win. I've got a squeaking us out a win there. I, I feel the exact same. I mean, that's the Dom Capers revenge game. So, And then uh, Jacksonville on the road. I've got us losing that one. I got that a loss as well. And then finally, Buccaneers at home to end the year. I have us winning that one, which actually makes my record 10 and 7 overall. I, I said 9 and 8, so I fluctuate a little bit there. <laughs> I'll take that win as well. And I'm not sure. Does that? I think that might put me at ten and seven as well. I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, because we yeah. flip flopped the Bears and or uh, yeah, Cowboys Titans. I think were the ones that we yep. flip flopped on. Yep, uh, that's everything right. Else, I believe we were in an agreement on. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, there you have it. Uh, Ricky Reigns and Ryan Smith ten and seven predictions. Just going through a quick uh, prediction for the team there. Um, some of these games, you know, really could go either way. We uh, the schedule, I think. You know, I, I think honestly, if Ricky, if we're just going to talk about the schedule for just a second as we wrap up, yeah. I, I'd say the first two games are going to be the most crucial because, you know, even if we drop Seattle and Minnesota, it's not going to be the ideal being two and two. But mm-hmm. if those two wins come against the division, it's almost like we've won twice, even That's if right. we started two and two. Yeah, it's it's almost like weighted victories, right? Because they matter more at the end of the season when it's going to come down to. In my opinion, it will come down to three teams for the NFC South, right? It'll be Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. I don't feel good about Tampa at all this year. Um, so between those three, I think it is going to be really close. And it's going to come down to a lot of health factors as well, because I, I truly do believe that Carolina has the most talented roster of any of those three teams. But we have a history of not having all of those players play for full seasons. So I think that if we could put it all together, it's going to be a tight race. And those first two games at the beginning of the season could end up being determining factors for who makes that playoff spot. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to end it. Uh, Ricky, all the best to you. Um, anything you want to say uh, as you exit? Um, great to have you on. Any other uh, plugs you want to give before I let you go? No, man, I, I really appreciate having me on. Great conversation. Um Check out articles on Cat Crave. Check out the Kitty Lit podcast. Um, we are running a raffle right now with the Chark Sports Academy. Um, DJ Chark and his sister Dietra Chark are down there um, taking care of the youth ages 8 to 18 in Louisiana, working on mental and physical wellness. So check out my Twitter and check out the raffle. Awesome. Well, uh, like I said, Ricky Reigns has been my guest today, and uh, that will wrap up this edition of the Inside the Vault podcast, a Carolina Panthers podcast, episode number 10. I'm your host, Ryan Smith. And uh, again, you can rate and subscribe to Tobacco Road Sports YouTube channel at youtube.com slash tobacco radio. Rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next time.